Find me in Revelation, Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. We're in a series called Misinterpretation where maybe you've read the Bible. Maybe you've read the Bible before and you're going, man, I don't really understand what that means. Well, that can happen to all of us. And as we read it, sometimes we can get some like bonkers, wonky, weird ways of looking at it. We're looking at some passages. We've been looking at some passages and we've got a few more to go where people oftentimes interpret it one way and we think Jesus actually means something else. And so tonight, here's the title of my sermon. It's all in. It's all in. And I want to start with a question that I'm going to close with, and it's this. What's stopping you from going all in with Jesus? What's stopping you? And maybe tonight you don't know anything about Jesus, and you're like, well, I just don't know anything about the guy. Awesome. I think you're going to learn something. Or maybe there's some pride. Maybe there's some sin. Maybe there's an issue that happened. Maybe, maybe you've overly committed yourself to school and sports and like, you know, underwater basket weaving or like whatever you do. And you're like, you're like, I, you're like, you're like my life, my life is keeping up my Snapchat streak. I literally don't have time for Jesus. I don't know what it is for you, but my hope is tonight that you get to the point where you say, this is what was stopping me from going all in. But after tonight, beginning tonight, I am all in. Find me in Revelation chapter three. It is the last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter three. It is the last book in the Bible. And literally, it is a message. Let me give you a little bit of context. The book of Revelation is a message to seven churches. And it's written by this guy named John. Now, John was the same guy who actually wrote the gospel of John. After writing the gospel of John, he all of a sudden like got some heat and people were saying, man, do you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And he's like, yeah, I really believe he rose from the dead. And they're going, you're crazy. And in fact, this uh, Roman leader found it so offensive that he banished John from Rome and sent him to this island called Patmos. And when he was on this island, God spoke to him. And God gave him a letter, God gave him a word, God gave him a message that he wanted to send out to all of these churches. Find me in Revelation chapter one, beginning in verse nine. We'll look at three in a second. Revelation chapter one, verse nine says this. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that is ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. So what does that mean? That's like a really interesting phrase. Like I was in the spirit. I think he just means he's having like a kick butt devotional time. Like he, he's just in the presence of God. I mean, he's just worshiping and he's, he's reading and he's thinking about God and he's, he's really intentional. Like he's really focused. He's not doing a hundred other things, but he is dialed in. And during one of these times of being really intimate with God, this is what happened. I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So he says, I got a message for these seven churches and the text, the letter that we're going to look at is the letter to that last church in Laodicea. Find me in chapter three, beginning in verse 14, it says this. To the angel of the church in Laodicea. Now, that's weird, right? To the, to the angel? What does he mean by that? I think he means two things. The first thing I think he means is, is John wants to let us know that Jesus' message is not just for, like, the earthly. It's for the spiritual. 
that Jesus' message is bigger than just on a personal, physical level, but Jesus is actually talking to the angels. And I, don't re- I know we don't really talk about this a lot, but in the Bible, there's a lot of talk about angels. The angels are servants of God. Angels are, they come alongside and they partner with God. And it's, it's a weird thing and we can kind of get into it more in other places, but all we know is that this letter was written to this angel, but the word angel also means messenger. And so I think John means two things here. I think he means this is a letter to the angels that are overseeing this church, that are a part of this church, that are in the area of this church. So he's talking to this really like high spiritual level, but then I think he's also talking about the leaders and the members and the people who find themselves a part of this church. And he says this to them. He says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Jesus is saying, I'm about to bring you a message, but I want to put in context and I want to remind you who I am. I mean, you've settled for thinking I'm your homeboy. You've settled for thinking that I'm a little puppet that that you can control. You've settled for thinking that I'm something you put on a shelf and you pick up whenever you want. You've settled for thinking that you go to a service and and there I am and I kind of wave at you at HSM and then you leave and you go do your own thing. You've forgotten that I'm the amen that I'm the let it be, that I'm the one who got this whole thing started. Check out what he says next, that I am the ruler of God's creation. See, Jesus is saying, man, I am the one who is over your entire life. I'm the one who thought you were a good idea. And I'm the one who's gonna be walking with you every single day of your life. That I'm not just your homeboy, I'm your God. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, this is how people have wrongly interpreted this passage. That when it says there that Jesus says, man, I wish you were hot or cold. Here's how people have usually seen it. They've seen it as, man, Jesus would actually rather you be evil. Like he'd rather you be cold than just lukewarm. That's not what he's talking about. You see, let me give you a little history. Where Laodicea was, this city, there was a city to the north of it called Heropolis. And there was a city to the south of it called Colossae. And the city to the north, Heropolis, was known for having hot springs. And everybody loved to go there because there were these amazing hot springs. I mean, the water was so warm. It was so amazing. It was so perfect. And then below Laodicea, there was this city called Colossae. And Colossae was known for having fresh water springs. And everybody, I mean, the, the, it was like ice cold water. And everyone, everyone wanted to be there. In fact, these two cities, Colossae and Heropolis, they were known for the fact that their water was so remarkable. That their water was so amazing. That there was something so life-giving and so special about it. That there was something different about it. But because the people that lived in Laodicea were very wealthy, and it was a banking center, and and they didn't like to really go out, they paid to have these aqueducts travel from Heropolis and Colossae all the way to Laodicea so that they wouldn't have to go get hot water and they wouldn't have to go get cold water. But what they found after they had spent so much money and so much time doing this is that by the time the hot water traveled the aqueducts down to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. And by the time the fresh cold water left Colossae and found its way at Laodicea, it was lukewarm. 
You see, it, it, was, it was literally as it was traveling down these aqueducts, it was changed. That the circumstances around the water were actually changing it. That in its original locations, it was marvelous. It was amazing. It had an impact that people would talk about it for miles and miles far away from those places that people would years and years later talk about how amazing the water was in the north and how amazing the water was in the south. But because of the aqueducts, because of the way that they traveled, by the time it got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. And you see, Jesus is saying, I wish your faith was remarkable. I wish you had this kind of faith that, that people would talk about. That whether it's because your faith is so hot or whether it's because your faith is so cold that it's refreshing. Not this lukewarm garbage. I, I need to see, does, it, does anybody have a hydro flask? Anybody got a hydro flask here? Give me your hydro flask real quick. Holy cow. Let me see this. This is the size of a baby. I mean, this is what a baby looks like. Okay, now, now I'm not going to embarrass anyone, um, but does anyone have a non-hydroflask, just like a Nalgene water bottle? Anybody got one of those? Does anybody, we need one of those. I need somebody to have one of those. Yeah, give me that one, Christina. Here we go, Christina. Oh, you know what? That one's better. That one's better. Let me throw that up here. Ah, I'm sorry, Christina. No, your, yours is great too. Okay, so... So now I'm not talking about the brand, okay? We're not talking about Hydroflask right now. Here's what we're talking about. The major difference between these two water bottles is that one of them has something called a temp shield and the other one doesn't. And what it means is that this one has a temp shield and what it means is literally whatever you put in here, if you put ice cold water in here, you could take this thing and put it inside of a furnace. You pull it out, your hands immediately burn, but you pull it out and you drink and you're gonna find some ice. Then you're gonna find some really cold water. At the same time, you could put some incredibly hot water in here. But you're just looking forward to that coffee and you gotta go, you put that in here and then you put this thing in an ice chest and you pull it out an hour later and that coffee is still gonna burn your mouth. And it's because this thing was created in such a way with a temp shield that no matter what is going on around it, here's where it gets real practical. It doesn't matter what's going on around it the contents inside are not changed. It doesn't matter what its surrounding looks like. It doesn't matter what lies are trying to penetrate. It doesn't matter what he thinks, what she thinks. It doesn't matter what's happening in your family. Because this thing was created the way it was, that when hot water enters, it doesn't matter what is going on around it, it will remain hot. Now, this water, this water bottle is awesome. It's great. But you know what? This water bottle, whatever surrounds this water bottle, completely dictates the temperature of the water inside. And maybe some of you have felt like this. Like, like how many of you, you've walked away from camp and you're just like, I'm on a spiritual high. Like, I'm about to levitate. You know what I mean? I mean, you're, you're thinking you're going for it. I mean, you've got every Christian worship song memorized. You are so passionate and you are literally filled with this amazing cold water and you feel like camp is this environment where, man, you are in an ice chest and it's absolutely incredible. But then you go to school and it's like 110 degrees outside. And all of a sudden you get around other people and because the temperature increases around you, you go from being this incredibly awesome, amazing, chilled water and you become lukewarm. 
what Jesus is saying is, I want you to follow me in such a way that the contents that I put in you cannot be changed by what surrounds you. You see, this is how you know. I'm trying to say this just as lovingly as I can too, right? But, but this is how you know that you're actually following Jesus. Is that when the things around you heat up, because Jesus has put his chill in you, because Jesus has put his temperature gauge in you because Jesus has filled you with his living water, his freezing, ice-chilled living water that even though the world around you is heating up, your foundation and your rock is still cold. Check out what he says next. I promise I'll give those back. Maybe not this one. I kind of like this one, but we'll see. Um, Check out what he says next. You say, verse 17, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need anything. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Man, they're just so oblivious because they've settled for this lukewarm life. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve and saliva. What is that word? Is that, how would you say that? Salve. Is that saliva, Gunny? You're just a biology major. That's why I'm looking at you. She says it's saliva. Salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. So here's the thing. Why is Jesus bringing you a tough teaching right now? Why is Jesus saying, hey, you're lukewarm and I kind of want to spit you out right now. Why is he doing that? Why? Because he loves you. Because he adores you. Because you mean everything to him. You see, it it doesn't matter what your story's been. It doesn't matter what your struggles are. That Jesus is absolutely crazy about you. And because he loves you, he's going to come to you and he's going to say, that is not okay. I've shared this with you before, but whenever I discipline my kids, especially Brinley, because we're just in the discipline stage with her right now. Whenever I discipline Brinley, I always say this to her first. I always look at her and I always say this. Brinley, I'm for you. I'm for you. I love you and I adore you. And because of that, biting your brother's shoulder and causing him to bleed is not okay. You're going on timeout and I'm taking every flipping doll you have. You know what I mean? I mean, but, 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 but hear me. It comes from this place. It comes from this heart that says, because I'm for you, I've got to discipline you. I've got to rebuke you. And as we wrap up, he says this, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest, repent. That means to turn away. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. So Jesus will always discipline you. He will always rebuke you. He will always call you out on sin, but he will always be at your door knocking. He will always be at your door knocking and saying, I love you. I'm here for you. I got you. I want a relationship with you. But here's what I love about that analogy. Does it say Jesus is like 
boom, and kicks the door down? No. Does it say he like whispers way back here? He's like, Morgan, let me in. I'm just seeing Morgan. Morgan, let me in. No, no, no. He's not like super passive. And he's not like a ninja warrior. I mean, he's somewhere in between there. And he stands at the door and he knocks. And if your house has a lot of music going on, if your house has a lot of distractions going on, it's very possible that you're missing him. It's very possible that he's knocking and you're not hearing it. But if you and I will quiet down enough, if you and I will listen in closely and say, okay, what is God wanting to reveal to me? What sin is he wanting to share with me? What about me is offending him, is hurting our relationship? And you listen in, you're gonna hear him knocking at your door and saying, if you'll open up, if you'll let me in, if you'll be humble enough to admit that you're not God and I am, then I'll come on in and we'll eat together and we'll share a meal together. You see, God from the very beginning has always been a relational God. And so students, I wanna ask you this question. Jesus is saying the kind of people who follow me are the kind that are so hot and that are so cold that everybody knows where they stand. Everybody knows what they're bringing to the table. On your sports teams, in your friend circles, would people say, man, that person's hot. Man, that person's like cold in a good way. Man, that person is noticeable. Man, that person is remarkable. There is something different about that person's life. Or would they say, eh, kind of lukewarm. What's stopping you from going all in? Let, let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, I ask that in these next few minutes that we share in our small group time, that Lord, you would help us to wrestle with some really big questions of what's getting in the way. What do we need to repent of? What do we need to leave behind? What do we need to say yes to? And God, I pray that tonight we would make decisions as students to go all in and to leave nothing behind. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Hey, really